0: hello hi welcome to truly fabulously monstrous
1: a podcast about true crime and cryptids
0: i am half of your host hattie
1: james i am your other half of your host ace hi ace hi hattie
0: i saw you have to do the looking up to enter the part of the brain to remember your yes
1: i also forgot that we were gonna go with uh like weird stuff instead of just cryptids i keep forgetting that
0: yes uh speaking of uh cryptid spooky stuff your room looks extremely spooky right now for those of you who are listening and not seeing what mine eyes are seeing um ace is on the webcam just surrounded by like mushroom and frog night lights with the yes. regular lights off
1: <laughs> i love it i got a new frog lamp he's a, a bigger version of the tiny frog lamp i got uh, like a month ago
0: And kind of matches your new frog mug I'm sensing it's from the
1: same company. All of their frog merchandise looks the same. It's one frog and I love him. Yeah. So he's going to sit there.
0: But yes. Uh, I think you said that we should do a oh, apology. Right. We're, we're awful corner.
1: Yeah. So I usually listen to our episodes when they get uploaded. I'm trying to get better at listening to the sound of my own voice. So I was listening to our bonus episode and then I think like a couple other episodes I've noticed we kind of have used some problematic language, uh, wherein we, when referring to someone using their mental health diagnoses to evade prosecution or being held responsible for a crime they've committed we've used the phrase using their mental illness as a crutch and it wasn't until the bonus episode when I was listening back to it and I realized oh no that implies that using crutches or mobility aids is a bad thing
0: yeah that (laughs) was not our intention
1: that was not our intention and from here on out we will do our best to not use language like that and to be
0: more
1: not ableist yes to be more not ableist (laughs) and to be more precise with the words we use and the language we choose so yes that that was not okay and we will not do that going forward all right so this is is this our beginning of season three
0: this is week two of season three we already recorded week one of season three
1: right i no longer remember what day it is
0: it's okay because we're no longer recording in time we're recording at once so that I have time to edit so it's just throwing us throwing us for a little bit of a loop but uh you did you did a a a cryptid spookum weird and then I did a crimp okay I did Robert I I talked more about Robert Durst
1: yes and I did um Fresno Nightcrawlers
0: yes the pant things
1: so my this is my, pants.
0: yeah so this is my turn for a um a spook <laughs> and uh as i lamented to you the other night i don't have a fancy list of topics i want to cover <laughs> uh and i was struggling to come up with a cryptid slash spooky slash unexplained phenomenon to discuss and i had an awful time getting my head out of the state i live in which for those listeners who are new or haven't caught on i'm from vermont in my defense, I originally, before we planned this podcast, had planned one with my husband, um, who at the time was just my fiance, uh, where I was going to tell him oh, all the spooky. I remember that. Yeah, I was going to tell him all the spooky, creepy, and unexplained and murderous stories that happened in Vermont. So my nugget is just, as I said, I've got three modes I've got mom mode, in which I can sprout everything about my son. From the last time he ate to his height and weight to his head circumference to what his last poop was like.
1: I was gonna be like, to when he pooped last.
0: Yes, um, I got soup mode, which is there's nothing going on up there. There's crickets. There's nothing behind these eyes.
1: This the dial-up noise.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly the the dial you, you you what you know that you ever look inside and wonder what is going on inside her head. It's just like that dial-up noise. <laughs> maybe maybe some wind. Uh, And then my third mode is Vermonter mode, where I spout historical spooky and true crime stories that occur in Vermont. Because of this, because of this, my original train of thought went as follows. And as I do have it as a dramatic reenactment in my notes, oh, I'm going to cover the Bennington Triangle. Then I was like, no, Hattie, your last cryptid was the pig man in Northfield, Vermont. The crime before that was Marietta Ball's murder in St. Albans, Vermont. You've also covered the gentleman burglar of Chester, Vermont. Now you want to cover the Bennington Triangle of Glastonbury Mountain in Bennington, Vermont? No. Pick a new topic. So I thought long and hard and was like, I could do the Beast of Turner. But that story upsets me because, you know, like dead dog. Plus, that's more of bonus episode material. Uh, Then I thought about the Dover Demon, but then I thought against it. I just, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, it didn't, it didn't pique my interest enough. And then I thought, oh, I know I'll cover Champ to which my brain went, damn it, Hattie, that is also technically Vermont.
1: (laughs) No technically about it. Well,
0: no, some people in New York could claim it because the the lake does border like both
1: states. Yeah, I know. But when you see like Champlain, everyone goes, ah, yes vermont
0: unless you live in upstate new york in the north country and then you think ah yes (laughs) plattsburgh ah yes rouse's point
1: there's a town (laughs) called moors there certainly is yeah i have driven through it
0: you think ah yes fort ticonderoga um (laughs) i love their um, pencils yes (laughs) all right so i thought long and hard and you were nice enough to send me your list and I went through it and it's a good list, but it's so good. And I was like asking you, what are some of these things? And you were giving me so much knowledge that I'm like, I would rather you cover them properly than me do hasty scrambled, like during my breaks research and co- and do a part of my French, but a piss poor job. So I, I had to begin my search again. And, but then I realized, you know, you have teeth, you have a teeth obsession. Oh,
1: I do have a teeth obsession.
0: I have a Vermont obsession. So,
1: are we in Vermont? Is, are we going to go? Are we staying in Vermont? <laughs> this is the story of the Beddington Triangle. Yes. Because <laughs> when you sent me that, you're, you, the, the thing you just dramatically reenacted, like you sent all of that to me in text form initially. And I was like, no, but do the Beddington Triangle at some point because it's really cool. <laughs> and that's what convinced me. That's Yay. what convinced me. So,
0: I'm going to start by giving a shout out to my idol, the person who really trink, like jump-started my obsession with the, the weird and murderous and mystery and the unexplained of Vermont with the folklore of Vermont, okay? The uh-huh. term the Bennington Triangle was coined by none other than Joseph A. Citro. A little bit of backstory on this man. I consider him to be the guru of all things weird and unexplained in Vermont. He is an author and a folklorist, and these are two actual names people have given him the bard of the bazaar and this is my favorite ghost master general Uh, he started off as a fictional novelist he wrote books like the unseen and shadow child and those were like poe meets lovecraft in nature they were very gothic but they had like eldritch horrors and he incorporated the folklore of vermont into these stories which took place in new england very stephen king But he eventually switched lanes and began cataloging Vermont's folklore and mysteries, as well as haunted houses, UFO sightings, and the like. Anything anything spooky and bizarre. Uh, I've read almost every book cataloging the unnatural of Vermont, and they include Green Mountain Ghost Schools and Unsolved Mysteries, Green Mountain Dark Tales... Passing Strange, The True Tales of New England Hauntings and Horrors, and Damned Yankees Cursed New England. And he also wrote the Weird New England book, as well as the Vermont Monster Guide. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Um, So anyways, Joseph A. Citro did a public radio broadcast in 1992, and it was here that he coined the term Bennington Triangle, which he was discussing because he incorporated the Bennington Triangle into his book, Shadow Child. Uh, And at this point, you're probably thinking, Hattie, enough with Joseph A. Citro. What the fuck is the Bennington Triangle? To which I respond, there is no such thing as enough Joseph A. Citro. But yes, I will get to what the triangle is. (laughs) now now onto the triangle now
1: that I've gone on my what was the one nickname you said the the ghost 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 Master master general that sounds like you know when like in grade school they'd be like okay here's an educational video and it's but they're trying to make it cool so it's a bunch of like 20 30 year old like like hopeful actors who would like to get discovered in hollywood but they're wearing like very poorly appropriated hip-hop outfits trying to be like here we're trying to educate you on local history yo i'm the ghost master
0: (laughs) yeah it it does have that that vibe. sounds like (laughs) it does have that vibe when you say it that way but i took it to mean like I mean, is that, that's just Vermont, baby. That's just Vermont culture. Hey, look, that's the Bard of the Bazaar, the Ghostmaster General, Joseph A. Citro. Have you read his new book lately?
1: Oh my God, I love it so much. <laughs> yeah.
0: Anyways, uh, so to start, I'm going to get a bit- to the Scholastic
1: Book Fair. I'm the Ghostmaster General. <laughs> All
0: right, so to start, I hate to say this, moving on from Joseph Citro on to the Bennington Triangle, I'm going to start with a bit of geography. Just because there's a lot of places going on in this triangle. Because as you know, it's the, similar to the Bermuda Triangle where it's a geographical area. So let me explain that area. Uh, the Bennington Triangle is an area of the Glastonbury Mountains in southwestern Vermont. Uh, the Long Trail, yes, it's the same Long Trail as Long Trail Ale. Love it. Uh, starts here.
1: Okay. All right. Yeah. Yes. I've been uh, so- to that brewery. It's a very good brewery.
0: Uh, So the woodlands of Glastonbury Mountains stretch throughout uh, three towns and two ghost towns. The three towns are Bennington, Woodford, and Shaftesbury, and the two ghost towns are Glastonbury and Somerset. So you know, Ace, we have discussed avoiding Indigenous stories. As they are not our stories, they are not our culture. We cannot properly give them truth. We don't know what Indigenous cultures want to talk about. It's just, it's not a place where us as, people who are privileged by colonization re- should go into. right. But I feel at this point I need to note that according to white colonized Vermont folklore, because remember this is a lot based on folklore, <laughs> uh, legends state that indigenous tribes considered the Glastonbury mountains cursed and other white sources state that the Algonquin had a legend of a malevolent stone deep in the woods that would open up and devour any who stepped on it. I'm only okay. mentioning it because it is an important theory to the area I will say that I tried looking for these stories from proper indigenous, I know the indigenous um, cultures from the area, you know, the the people who resided on the land we stole. I could not find anything that wasn't a white according to Native American legend, blah, 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 woo. <laughs> so I'm mentioning it for the sake of, like I said, of it being part of the story, but I want to drive home that I do not have the means as a white woman to be giving the story anything more than letting you know that that's what's mentioned in a lot of these whitewash stories. But anyway, so going on to the geography, uh, Bennington is a shire town or a county seat. Don't know why they call it a shire town. They have to be special. Uh, But uh, Bennington's a a county seat in Bennington County, Vermont. Uh, It's the third largest town in Vermont. I think the first and the second are Essex and Colchester. Not important, but it's like 42 point something square miles. Big, big town for a small state. It was chartered in 1743 in the first New Hampshire grants by Benning Wentworth, and the town is named after him. Benning, Bennington, you get it? Got it? <laughs> uh, they were so creative. <laughs> yeah. So during the Revolutionary War, the Battle of Bennington was fought mm, 12 miles away in New York, but the storage building being targeted was in Bennington, Vermont. So we claim it. Okay. We have a, a special state holiday called Bennington battle day, where a lot of businesses just like get the day off. <laughs> like it's, it's great. It's great. It's our own little history, but about 15 to 16,000 people live in Bennington, giving it a population density of about 370 per square mile. So while it is Compared to the other towns I'm going to mention, it's dense. It is still technically rural because rural is anything that's less than 500 people yes. per square mile.
1: Yeah, that apparently, is- I learned that recently, that apparently the county I live in is a rural county. I don't know. I just would not have classified it that way. And apparently we are.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so now I'm going to move north and I'm going to talk about Shaftesbury. And it has roughly the same history. It was colonized yeah. by white people who murdered and emptily cleansed the indigenous tribes, just like every other area in America. Mm. Um, it, but, it, but it was charted a little bit later in 1761. It has the first recorded instance of the Underground Railroad in Vermont, which I thought was neat. Oh, tight. But it has a population of less than 4,000, giving it a population density of 87 people per square mile. So now we're talking super rural. <laughs> Uh, Notable mentions, Robert Frost lived in this town, as did Irving Adler and Norman Lear. Nice. Yes. So, Woodford, same thing, same indigenous origins. Uh, The Wallamussac River drains into both the Hudson to the west of this town and the Deerfield River to the east. Woodford is east of Bennington, so it's directly next to Bennington. Uh, Shaftesbury is directly above Bennington. Just to paint the picture of where we where we are, and Bennington is on. The, we're very southwest. There's only two towns separating uh, Connecticut, not Connecticut, Massachusetts from Bennington, and there is nothing but the Hudson River separating Bennington from New York. The whole town is 47 square miles, so it's a big town with a population of 400, give or take.
1: So they room to room to stretch, room to like. Elbow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> 8.7 people per square mile.
1: Now we so get into the really super like, duper rural. Know your neighbors. Like, you know of your neighbors, but you're no, not with, like. W-
0: with 400 people, you go to the general store and you know your neighbors on a first name oh, basis. I thinking,
1: like, you walk out on your porch and you're like, I can't see my neighbors <laughs> from
0: here. I mean, maybe. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the ghost towns. Mm <laughs> hmm. Glastonbury had as of 2010 a population of eight. It okay. has a it has a very rich history, which I'll get into in a minute. Is but... it
1: secretly on fire? Like the towns, <laughs> like the town okay, of so Pennsylvania is used... on fire and like three was, people live there.
0: <laughs> it was also chartered in like 1761. Um, it used to be a charcoal making and a logging town and was kept prosperous by the ah. railway, but it had a lot of bad luck. Um the the railway stopped like being a good source of like logging capital for them. Uh, Charcoal making was down uh, for the industry. So the industry died down in about 1897. So the people in the town decided to make it a summer resort. They turned the old logging trolleys uh, into trolleys to cart visitors into the town. And the old loggers boarding house was turned into a hotel. And a lot of the houses were turned into like casinos and it was a nice summer resort. And then there was a catastrophic flood a year later, yes.
1: which yes, destroyed... okay. I, yes, I remember learning about that.
0: Yeah. It destroyed the rail system beyond repair. So no one could get in and out of the town through it. And on top of that, it destroyed the resort. So that was 1898. And then in 1937, so about three decades later, uh, three, four decades later, Vermont decided to unincorporate it. And it remains one of Vermont's only two towns that lost incorporation status. The second what does one does that
1: mean to unincorporate something?
0: It means it's no longer a town. They don't have the ability to have representatives. It's like okay. it's it's an people live there. That's it has a name. That's about it.
1: When they vote, where do like do they go to the next town over or are they counted yes. in that? Okay.
0: No, yeah, they have to go to the next town over. Um so the next town is Somerset, right next to Gloucesterbury. Pretty much the same history, thrived for a while, series of unfortunate things, bad luck. Uh, by 2010, it had a population of three. <laughs> Ouch. Three people lived in this town. The only interesting information I could find about Somerset, and there's, there's interesting information. I, did, I do research during my lunch breaks and my 15 minute breaks. So I don't, I, I, there's probably more, but my favorite is Somerset has no electricity, no telephone lines and no cell service. In the summer, it has upwards of twenty-four residents, and they're all campers.
1: Aha! Uh-huh. So it would be like the perfect place if you were looking to like, go, like go off the grid and like get some land, go off one- the grid. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> a few years back, uh, one of the the local TV stations—not my favorite TV station—but <laughs> one of the local TV stations interviewed did like they did a story on on Somerset. And they interviewed one of the, at the time, two residents. Uh, both of them were bachelors, so just men who lived in separate households. And they interviewed one of them who said, yeah, no women want to live here because there's no electricity or phone. So probably old, good old boys. But yeah. Um, so oh,
1: the- a quick, this is just weird, just derailing. Uh, when we were in college, Mm-hmm. um and my uh both of my parents were still working at the time and this is before my parents like retired and uh like moved across the country but when i was in college and my mother was really 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 interested in the idea of in and these are her words buying some land in vermont in the woods so that way when everything goes to shit we can <laughs> run up and be real close to the canadian border that was what my mom, and so like every time they would come to visit, she's sitting there with like Vermont real estate listings, and she's like, this one's in the woods, this one's in the woods, ooh, this one could be off the grid, and then my dad retired, and he was like, let's move out west, and she's like, oh, we're all the crazy people, okay. <laughs> so yeah. She's like, so long, Vermont house dreams.
0: <laughs> yeah. Poor
1: so now they live in places where i get people who like who knew my parents coming up to me they're like hey how are your parents how are your parents like right after the like the the shooting and the price chopper out in boulder Mm -hmm. they were like how are your parents are your parents okay and i'm like they don't live in boulder (laughs) they're fine not price chopper the the colorado equivalent of a uh, king super the king super shooting
0: you don't have price choppers down in your neck of the woods. That is I like.
1: No, but I really like price chopper better than any other store I've been to. So. Then
0: come back to Vermont. I have working on it. I
1: try. Constantly. I have five but
0: pages of just one place's ghosts. In, <laughs> not ghosts, but spooks.
1: But yeah, so that was my mom was really big into the idea of like getting an off the grid woods cabin. <laughs> Like just all like solar panels and windmills and yeah just go off the grid. Like, mom, are you okay? She's like, I'm fine, everything's gonna go to hell one day. And if we're close to the Canadian border, we'll be safe.
0: (laughs) Your mom would love summer. The
1: only thing she wouldn't love about Somerset is it's
0: literally almost there's like four other towns before Massachusetts, so it's not as north as the Canadian border. She would still have to drive like There's no interstate there. So she would have to drive like probably two hours to get to an interstate and another two hours to get to Canada. (laughs) Other than that, your mom would love Somerset and Glastonbury. However, back to the story, the failures of Somerset, but particularly Glastonbury, have led people to taking stock in the myths that Glastonbury mountains are either haunted or there's a curse.
1: that's big
0: it's really ingrained in the lore. well apparently according to the stories the native americans would not settle there they avoided the area like the plague they wouldn't hunt there they wouldn't settle there and then white people came and were like (laughs) less people i have to kill to build a house like that's what the that's what the lore says so it's not like, oh, Native Americans lived here. Appa- Allegedly, they only used it as a burial ground.
1: Okay. okay. That's,
0: that's, the, that's the legend.
1: Like I said, can I can only the find- I what... avoiding like the plague and how we really need to retire that phrase because apparently, we... no, we don't do that. <laughs> no, uh, we can avoid, we, you and I, smart people, avoid things like the plague. Yeah.
0: Wear your mask, get vaccinated, people. This Please has been a PSA. don't
1: warmer. Oh no, sorry, they've moved on. They're gargling iodine now. Anyways, I'm getting back to the story now.
0: Um, so as I said, this area was colonized. I'm going to talk a little bit just out of respect. I'm going to talk about who we stole the land from. It was home to the Abenaki peoples, and the land was part of the, I'm going to slaughter this, I'm so sorry, uh, but Aquina, uh, which was the land settled by the Wabanaki Confederacy to which the Abenaki belonged. And the greater region in New England was also home to the fighting tribes of the Algonquin and the Iroquois people. All right uh and then the french and english forces you know stole it killed people now on to now that we've talked about the history now that we've talked about the geography now that you know that this is a very mountainous very wooded very rural area yes we're gonna get on to the spookums there's a lot it's more Uh, than just one thing there's like five things going on in this place (laughs) let us begin Early settlers in Glastonbury were said to have allegedly reported hearing strange noises and seeing weird lights from the top of the mountains that were visible from the town below. Hikers have noticed odd smells, weird lights, and unexplained noises while hiking the 22 and a half mile long trail. From the early 1800s all the way to the present, there have been frequent sightings of a Bigfoot or Bigfoot-like creature in these mountains. Is this a Sasquatch? Yes. This creature this creature has been given the name the Bennington monster. Uh the first uh, the first sighting was a stagecoach that was forced to stop on a washed out portion of the road and the stage driver looked and saw footprints in the mud it's like those are humanish but they're too big to be human and no sooner had he thought that when a giant humanoid animal charged at the stagecoach Flipped it on its side and then ran into the we ran into the woods.
1: I that's intense, but also I love the idea of seeing a human-shaped footprint and go, no human being has feet that big. I don't know. I've seen Shaq's shoes. I human my brother-in-law has enormous feet. Like I could fit both of my feet and my hands into one of his shoes. He has big foot feet. Like, I'm just saying humans can have monstrous feet.
0: <laughs> I'm sure it was bigger than monstrous. And then, you know, the fact that as soon as he registered, those are really big, big, big feet. You know, being tackled by a hairy humanoid creature uh, with such force that the entire stage coach with the stage driver and four occupants tipping onto its side, yeah. horse and all. Yeah. Uh, probably not just a man with big feet. <laughs> so no one died luckily uh but in 1879 the new york times wrote an article uh which reported two hunters who encountered a wild man in the glastonbury mountains these men apparently saw this wild man with flaming red hair all over his body and went "Hmm, i'm gonna shoot it so they shot at the creature hit the creature the creature fell stood up screamed so loudly in pain, and it was a blood curdly scream, and then charged after them. Yeah, the men I would too. Yeah, the men dropped their weapons and retreated. Babies. And lived to tell the tale so that they could tell this story to a New York Times reporter. But those are the two official reports I can find. Uh, everything else is just like, oh, I saw the Bennington Monster. So the Bennington something.
1: Monster is a ginger.
0: Well, yes and no, because the people who you know where their carriage was attacked said that it had dark brown fur so it could be there's
1: bennington monsters could be or if the depending on the lighting i mean i used to have red hair and now it's brown so i don't know (laughs)
0: so um here's another interesting uh, spooky thing that happens here there are numerous ufo sightings (gasps) any website on ufo stuff that i can find that talk about vermont say that the glastonbury mountains are the best place in vermont to view ufos i could not find any documentation on actual ufo sightings but that doesn't mean they don't exist it just means i did not research hard enough
1: or it means they've been identified Hmm. i'm just saying anything can be a ufo if you're bad enough at identifying things
0: true uh, but I couldn't find any any like reports of people who ah. said that I saw a UFO. Uh, that doesn't mean they don't exist. It just means I didn't look hard enough. I Googled Glastonbury UFO sightings, got a bunch of articles telling me that it was the best place to find UFOs, and then went, "Okay, I'm gonna I'll I'll, I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> I gotta go back to work."
1: <laughs> like, so what's what, Not on the first yeah. page of Google results.
0: Moving on. <laughs> exactly, and that's on me. That's not on bad reporting in the past. That's on bad reporting for me. Uh, So Bigfoot, strange noises, strange smells, strange lights, UFOs. But what gives the Glastonbury Mountains their infamy, what gives them the name from the beloved Joseph A. Citro of the Bennington Triangle is the number of disappearances attributed to the mountain. So the first documented disappearance that I could find was a man named Henry McDowell. Uh, Henry worked at a local mill, and one day in 1892, got in a drunken fight with a co-worker named Jim Crowley. Uh, Henry won the fight, but at the cost of Jim's life and his freedom. Oh, no. Uh, they deemed him as however you deem someone insane in 1892, and instead of sentencing him to death and sending him to the Windsor prison to die, they... Cleared him insane, said, "Yeah, you killed this guy, but you were insane," and they sentenced him to life in the insane asylum that was located in Bennington. I'm calling it an insane asylum because that's what they were called at the time.
1: Yes, I'm uh, going to get into that in my crime. Um, is set in the 1800s, and there's some fair talk of uh the a similar language. <laughs> yes. Um. So he was sent
0: to the insane asylum. Uh, but he escaped, and. In the search for him, he was spotted in Glastonbury, uh, but then he ran into the mountains and was never seen again. No trace, never another sighting. He was seen getting into the mountains. He was never seen coming out of the mountains. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Mr. McDowell. Some stories and lore put the number as high as 30 to 40 cases um, of disappearances since the settlement of Glastonbury in 1761. However... Most stories, which when we call it the Bennington Triangle, focus on six disappearances between 1942 and 1950. So I'm going to focus on these six disappearances. I'm going to tell you as much information as I could find. Uh, October 11th, 1942. 13-year-old Melvin Hills disappeared near the woods in Bennington and it was never found. That's all the information I could find. Just this 13-year-old boy went was living in Bennington, was really close to the Glastonbury Hills and just never seen again. November 12th, 1945. So we're a a little over three years later. A 74 year old experienced hunter named Mitty Rivers was guiding a group of four hunters up the Glastonbury mountain. On the group's return, Mitty went ahead of the group, sharply turned a corner of the trail. And when the group got to that corner, just a few minutes later, or not even a few minutes, I don't think. It was very shortly after. Mitty was gone. Ooh. The only trace of them they could find was one of his shell cartridges, which he kept in his breast pocket, was near the bank of a stream. So they're thinking he might have bent down and like the cartridge fell out. But other than that, no trace. Ooh. The thing that concerns people the most... Is he was not just an experienced hunter, he was experienced with hunting and tracking in the Glastonbury Hills. Oh. So the fact that he went missing gave people the spookums.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. Right. So now we're a little over a year later. It's December 1st, 1946. Paula Jean Weldon was an 18 year old sophomore at Bennington College. And So this case is on the Doe Network, so we have more detailed reporting, so I'm going to give you as much information as I could find, which is more than anyone else, because, again, she's on the Doe Network and she came from an affluent family. Her family was the Weldons. Her father was an architect. So she worked two shifts at the school dining hall December 1st, uh, went back to her room and had a conversation with her roommate before they started their studies. Then she said uh, that she was going to take a long walk because she was done with her studies for the day. She donned a bright red parka and left her dorm room about 2.45 p.m. She was seen several times hitchhiking to the lawn trail around the area of Brickford Hollow. Uh,
1: Louis Knapp- I love that name. Brickford Hollow. Oh, yeah. I love that name.
0: Yeah. Uh, so it's see the Lewis Knapp, uh, a local contractor, Picked her up and drove her from the college around Brickford Hollow to his, around his house. She, he said, I'll only go as far as where I live. And that was about 2.5 miles from the mouth of the trail. Around this time, a Bennington Banner employee, a Bennington Banner is a local newspaper in the area. Uh, so a local Bennington Banner employee by the name of Ernest Whitman gave her directions And then as she was walking up the trail towards the summit, a group of hikers passed her as they were walking down. She stopped them, asked them a few questions about the trail, and was last seen walking on Harbor Road, which is a road portion of the long trail. Uh, When she did not return by morning, her roommate notified the college and a search was issued. Uh, There were no state... You know how, like, when we were talking about the gentleman burglar, I said there were no police, and in fact, we named it? Right. In 1945, there were still no police. <laughs> uh so there were no police so the governor had to call in police from New York and Massachusetts but fun fact because her father was well known architect engineer and designer William Weldon and because her search was inhibited by the lack of police until New York and Massachusetts police could get there and because the renting of New York and Massachusetts police cost the state a pretty penny Uh, Her disappearance is actually what led to the Vermont state legislature supporting the formation of a proper and official police force. So one good thing came out of this. All right. All right. All right. So now the case is going to get a little weirder and a little more unexplainable. Exactly three years later. So now we are talking, it is December 1st of 1949. Exactly three years to the day that Paula went missing. A man by the name of James E. Thetford, he was a war veteran, and he resided at the Bennington Soldiers' Home. He was in St. Albans, Vermont, uh, visiting some family, and he got on a bus in St. Albans. He was seen by both the driver, people getting off the bus and getting on the bus, as sitting in the exact spot on the bus every single stop. There's the stop before Bennington. People got on. They saw him. People were on the bus. They saw him. Okay. Okay. As the bus arrived at Bennington, Thetford wasn't on the bus. Uh-huh. So he was on the bus at the last stop. The bus didn't stop again until Bennington, and then he wasn't on the bus. His belongings were still on the luggage rack, and there was an open bus timetable sprawled out on his vacant seat as if somebody dropped it there. Okay. He was last seen by witnesses on the bus as they were about to go through the Glastonbury Mountains portion of the, the trip. Huh. So he disappeared, vanished in thin air on a bus, seen oh, by witnesses to be on the bus.
1: Like don't like that.
0: Three years to the day that Paula Weldon disappeared.
1: Okay. okay, I'm getting the spooky shivers.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that one that one gets me. That one uh-huh. like when I first heard that, I'm like, that can't be right. And I, I looked and like every source says it. I mean, it could at this point be lore, but there's too many. There's too many stories for me to not put some weight on it. So now we get a little sadder. Ten months later, it's October 12th, 1950. An eight-year-old boy named Paul Jefferson was playing in the cab of his family's pickup at his family's home in Bennington when his mother had to walk away briefly to feed the pigs. Uh, When she returned to the truck, he was gone oh she searched the area thoroughly before reporting him missing and bloodhounds were brought in to track his scent and they picked it up and followed it to the glastonbury mountains where it was promptly lost at a crossroads in the trail oh so possible theories about this disappearance are that he walked to the mountains himself because his father told authorities that he had been talking about visiting them for days and that it's possible maybe he was abducted by a motorist at the crossroads um His father thinks the "quote unquote" lure of the mountains drove him to wander there, and the mountains themselves claimed him. Although townsfolks began rumors that his parents killed him
1: and fed him to the pigs. I mean, I can see I can see that being a possibility. E- either way, if, the if there's like if he disappeared like without a like without a trace, without a trace. If I can see yeah. both options, I can see both options being legitimate because I mean. We all know about pigs. Yeah.
0: With the exception of the bloodhound trail from the Glastonbury that went all the way to the Glastonbury Mountains, there has been no trace, no evidence of him. We are now 61 years later. And oh boy. Yeah. The final disappearance was that of 53-year-old Frida Langer. And this was just two weeks after Paul disappeared. So October 28th, 1950. Frieda went hiking with her cousin Herbert Elsner while camping in the mountains near Somerset Reservoir. You know how I said that Somerset, like in the summer through the the beginning of winter, there's 24 residents Mm -hmm. usually, and it's because people camping. Well, they were camping. They were camping at the Somerset Reservoir. They decided to go hiking. When they were just a few hundred yards into the hike, Frida slipped and fell into a stream. Oh no. She asked her cousin, hey, can you, she didn't get hurt, don't worry. Okay. She She asked her cousin, hey, can you wait? Um, I'm just going to run back to camp put some dry clothes on I'll be back in a flash they were only a couple hundred yards from their campsite so Herbert waited and waited and when she didn't return he went back to the camp to find that she never made it back it was a very short distance she was not hurt it was a very short period of time and she never made it back
1: So when I said, oh, no, and you said, no, don't worry, she's fine.
0: (laughs) Oh, I thought you meant, oh, no, she got hurt on the mountain. She didn't get hurt. Don't worry. She didn't get hurt. She just went missing. Oh, good. (laughs) So for the next several weeks, a 400-person search party, which included firefighters, police officers, volunteers, soldiers, and helicopter pilots, looked
1: for her. Okay, yeah, because you got that option now.
0: Yeah. Uh, so this, because she went missing on Somerset Reservoir, while camping Somerset Reservoir, while hiking Somerset Reservoir, they did an extensive search of that one particular reservoir. They didn't, they, they did not leave one single stone unturned. They, every source said that they would, they extensively, this 400 man search party extensively searched this one reservoir. Okay. hmm uh-huh. And they also searched the rest of Glastonbury Mountains, but they focused most of their efforts on this, and she was never found. Until May 12th, 1951, when her severely decomposed remains were found right in the Somerset Reservoir. No! How'd they miss that? No one knows, because they extensively searched the exact area her body was laying on.
1: Oh, see, that that, just sounds to me like somebody waited until, like, they were done searching and then went back and, like, dumped her.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, we'll never know because due to the amount of decomposition, there was no way to determine cause of oh. death, and the case is still unsolved. That's
1: heartbreaking.
0: Yeah. So let's talk theories. <laughs>
1: uh, <Aliens.
0: laughs> as always, I'm going to start with the most plausible, and I'm going to whittle my way down to the ones that skeptics would be like nah (laughs) so one theory is that the six missing people were um that they were all victims of a serial killer uh this is wildly debunked most people don't put stock in this because big range really if you think of like some some serial, that's only it's only nine years
1: oh yeah i guess you're right
0: The the reason people don't give it any um, credence though is because not only are there severely varying different ages and genders, we got everything from eight years old to fifty three, so seventy four years old, and we have both men and women. Right. But also, there's no evidence. They found one body. There was not enough evidence near her body to determine even a cause of death. So they there and no other bodies. Everyone else was without a trace. So there's no. Not People don't really put too much stock in that. Some people believe that there may be underground caverns or abandoned wells that people accidentally fell into.
1: I saw a TikTok about that recently, about the abandoned well thing, and how, yeah, that's really common in, like, n- the New England area. Like Yeah. Um, because they, like, start to get overgrown just enough so that, like, you'll be walking, 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 and then, like, drop 24 feet. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then um, others think that unstable conditions and rough terrain make it hard to navigate. So these people were probably just veering off the path and getting lost. Um, And this is even um, like even the most experienced person can get lost in these woods because it's mountainous. There's a lot of unpredictable wind currents that can just like knock you off course. It's very wild it's it's so rural like with the exception of the the trail like the actual trail it's left to be a like a wild area like woodlands so (laughs) yeah so if you veer off the trail you're probably going to get lost um so one theory that another one this is where we start getting to the more improbable ones Uh, okay (laughs) yeah uh one is that they fall victim to bobcats or catamounts though these are usually Debunked because bobcats are not aggressive towards humans. People did also say that it could be lynxes, but again, they don't hunt humans. They don't go, "Ooh, a human! I'm let me let me kill it." And maybe even if that the were the case, maybe the little kid,
1: maybe the little kid, but like may-
0: maybe, but not the grown
1: even, adults. Like,
0: but but if that were the case, there would have still been blood and a body
1: and a trail, like, and the dogs would have been like, "Hey, there's been a cat nearby."
0: Yeah, like catamounts aren't alligators. They they don't eat people to the point where like like that guy who went missing in Louisiana last month and they just killed the alligator and found human remains in the stomach. Like a catamount doesn't do that. They don't they kill
1: the alligator.
0: Because it was loose and killing humans.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I mean, so they suspected they, the it. Alligator defense. C- alligator doing what an alligator got to do. Yeah,
0: it's but like, like an an alligator can kill a human and dispose of all the evidence in its stomach. A, a catamount yeah, can't. Can. Yeah. They would, they would still be a body,
1: and we yeah, only found like, one Yeah, they bodies. don't. For for the body to be gone to the point of it to be like gone, gone, gone so much more time will have had to elapse for it to be like completely scavenged by other scavengers because cats don't eat the bones
0: and also how would that explain james uh thedford right who disappeared on a on a
1: literal bus yeah 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 (laughs) oh it was cats magical cats
0: all right speaking of magic let's go into the more spooky theories (laughs) Some, again, believe it is a curse rooted in the indigenous history and culture, and this land refusing to be conquered by any man.
1: Like that one episode of Supernatural. Yes. With all the bugs.
0: Yes. Uh, Some believe it's the work of alien abductions.
1: That's my vote. I vote aliens. (laughs) Um, Just for the bus thing. Like, I vote aliens just for that.
0: (laughs) Another is that Bigfoot gets them
1: ah yes bigfoot known rider of buses
0: (laughs) this one's my favorite spoopy theory uh people believe that there are windows or portals into other dimensions and people just fall into them yes liminal spaces yes oh yeah and that these people
1: are just in a liminal space just i love that that is probably one of my if you if you were to like try and get me to read a book if if all you have to do is say it has to do with liminal spaces. I be mean, like, I am in. It gives me, like, the full body yeah. and I just, I seek that out. I seek, I don't know why I get the same feeling from that as I get from, like, space horror. Yeah. Like, just that, like, empty vacuum of space. Like, we're stranded in space fiction. Like, that same, like, full body. Yeah. It makes me going, no, no, no. And I'm like, yep, we're going to read this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so one thing that is worth noting is that we've already discussed that the serial killer one was debunked because, yes. you know, varying ages, men and women. But what is worth noting is that all six people were last seen between three and 4 p.m. on the last three months of the year in the same wooded region.
1: I gotta say you kept saying October a lot. You know, October, November and December.
0: That's one of those things where
1: it's either like super spooky or it is just a really unfortunate coincidence.
0: Yeah. People in the Bennington area and greater Vermont uh, like to think that it is super spooky because we will die on the hill that is our lore. (laughs) All right. So that's the story of the Bennington Triangle.
1: I love it so much.
0: Yeah. Uh, My sources are Wikipedia, where I always start, uh, The Doe Network, all that is interesting.com, obscure Vermont, happyvermont.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Brattleboro Reformer did an online article on uh, on this. Uh, and in that the Brattleboro Reformer is another local paper. Uh, and the legends of America. Oh, and obviously Joseph A. Citro, as <laughs> I said before. So, yeah, that's uh that is my five pages of spook.
1: I love it. Oh, <laughs> where can people find us
0: well first if people have questions comments concerns sweet nothings gentle hellos broken promises they would like to message us stories they want us to tell questions comments concerns uh they can email us at truly fabulously monstrous at gmail.com we also have an instagram that i keep forgetting to update but i will try to get better at it by the time season three is, is airing and uh, that is truly fabulously monstrous.
1: And uh, we also have a Twitter that I will also get better about updating because as of right now I really only post like the right around when like we're getting ready to post an episode or in, or you're editing and you're like, I said something funny and I'm like, oh, I'll post that on Twitter and then like seven days go by with nothing. So I gotta get better about posting on that.
0: Oh, my last post, I was because I, I logged in because we got a notification someone started following us, and I went to go like look at it, and it says that our last post was that the, the Frogman and um and Marietta Bell, which means I didn't post for our our season two finale week at all, nor did I do one for our bonus episode, and here we are recording the second week of season three. Oh. I will get better. I will get better but um, um you post anyway, a lot
1: more than i do our twitter is at tfab i post a lot of me we really get some mileage out of that it has been zero days since meme, yeah like the sign we really get are getting some mileage out of that. good, good. Yeah, All right. So.
0: so yeah, tune in next time where Ace is going to tell us about a crime.
1: A crime. A crime. And yes, we will be there and we hope you will too.
0: Bye. Bye.